Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything, from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or 2 million, Atlassian software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Welcome to CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. I'm a Navy veteran, and every week I get a chance to look at the issues of the day through the eyes of my fellow military vets. My goal every week is simple, bring you something informative and something that will inspire the hell out of you. This is the news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This is Eye on Veterans. This hour will flash back to exactly one year ago this weekend. The coronavirus had just been upgraded to a global pandemic, and I didn't know it at the time, but it would be my last day recording in our Washington, D.C. studios. And to make it even more unforgettable, it was also a day I spent talking with a rock and roll superstar, a veteran supporter, and the inspirational drummer of one of my favorite bands, Def Leppard. We'll go back in time and listen to my conversation with Rick Allen. I was inspired by our Warriors. Uh, that was uh, to 2006. I remember visiting uh, Walter Reed Army Medical, and I saw a lot of suffering, but I also saw a lot of potential, and I'd done a lot of work on myself. So uh, I think they got a lot out of it. And shortly after that, uh, we refocused uh, from uh, general population to really concentrating on vets, and that's when Project Resiliency was born. Now as our nation hopes to recover from the COVID crisis, many people are still struggling to put food on the table. And for many restaurants whose tables sit empty, they struggle to stay in business. And that's why our next guest is doing something to save them both. 
Monica Alvarado is an Air Force veteran working to combat food insecurity in Anne Arundel County, Maryland. Now in response to the pandemic, Monica founded Feed Anne Arundel, an organization that pays restaurants across the area to make meals for people who need help feeding their families. And the result is a win-win. Folks get fed, people get to keep their jobs, and businesses stay afloat. And she was able to start this program through her veteran connections and the entrepreneurship training she received from the Institute of Veterans and Military Families. And here to tell us more about it is Monica. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. You know, I heard about this program from the great state of Maryland where, full disclosure, I'm recording this show. <laughs> and I always love it when somebody in my backyard's doing awesome stuff. And couldn't help but note, yeah, your veteran connection. So before we hear about how you're feeding people and helping restaurants, um, Tell me a little bit about where you got your start, Air Force veteran. Of course, the one and only, the best service there is, I believe. Um, <laughs> I think you're right, because when I was in the Navy, your food was so much better. Oh, we used to love to go to Langley to eat, because like you guys actually had real food. Right? Real food, good bedding. Like, we, we know how to take care of our people in the Air Force. Um, and I have to say that while also looking over my uh, my back because I sit here at my restaurant with this interview and I'm staring at the Naval Academy right over the, 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 the creek here. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, yes, proud Air Force veteran. I was in for six years. I joined right out of high school, went to tech school in Pensacola at Corey Station, and then my first duty station was Misawa, Japan, where I was for three years. And, um, and then from there, I ended up here in Maryland at Fort Meade and decided this was a great place to stay and work and raise my family. And so when I left the Air Force, I stayed here in Maryland and spent about 20 some odd years in government um, contracting and IT contracting. Now, I hear government contracting. I hear IT contracting. So it doesn't sound to me like you made the segue from military into food service or from military into the restaurant game. So share with me a little bit about the path after some IT and some government contracting or, you know, really how you even got into that. So when I was in the Air Force, I was an intelligence analyst. And so natural step for me coming out of the military without a degree um, was to continue doing the work that I was doing while in. Luckily, here in Maryland, we have a lot of government contracting based on all the different military um, bases and, of course, in D.C. and the Pentagon, not too far from us as well. And so I became a technical writer right out of the Air Force, and that was in 97. And I got out right around that dot-com boom that everybody loved before it was a dot-com bomb. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so I was very, um, very lucky in that I was able to take my military training and really turn it into a career, a well-paying career. And um, I really never stopped to think about what I actually wanted to do someday. I was just really happy to have a, a good job and, um, and, and in an industry that was growing. I did that for quite a bit of time. And in that period, I actually knew I wanted to start a business of some sort and was lucky enough to find the IVMF. Um, I attended one of their programs called BWISE, which is focused primarily on women, um, whether you're military, former military, or military spouse, and they teach you the basics of how to start a business, help you kind of think through what this is going to look like, what you need to do. And so that was really my first, you know, toe dip into the world of entrepreneurialism. That's so cool. I remember the late 90s well, because I was just getting out of the service. And yeah, it was yeah. crazy. My friends that went into computers, I was always envious of, because I went into radio. 
And I was like, hey, yeah. look at me. I'm cool. I get concert <laughs> no, tickets. Okay. And I had all this, <laughs> you know, I had bar tabs and concert tickets. And my buddies were all doing this nerdy stuff. And five years later, my buddies all had, like, new cars. And I still had just yeah. concert tickets and bar tabs. That's all I could offer. That's all I could offer. And really I, I bet you, though, like, you, were, you had a much more fulfilling time than I did, right? <laughs> so I was chasing the dollars, right? I had this bet with myself how far I could go without a college degree, but I get to a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, yes, yes, you can. Um, I yes. do. I do like how you bridged that, though, and I think you kind of focused or highlighted a moment that so many veterans find themselves in, and that is, okay, you do your military gig, whether it's you know foreign out the door or whether it's you know a quick six or whether it's a career, you know, you get to that next level of life because you start the military so young. And you got there while you're in IT and you're like, what do I want to be when I grow up? I still have dreams. I still have things I want to do. And that's where you turn to the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. Share with me a little bit more about the entrepreneurship program. Um, what did it look like? At that point, I didn't necessarily have an idea of the business, right? I knew I had a, a number of different skills that could go in any direction. But I was also at the same time so focused on my actual career that I was in. I, I thought, oh, I must be able to start a business doing something in IT. So what IBMF with that VWISE program did was bring a bunch of women together from all over the country, all over the world, right, who had varying interests. Like there was a woman who was making purses, and there was a woman who was, you know, working on this childcare idea, and there was a woman helping other spouses connect with each other. So it dawned on me as I was there, wait a minute, I could do something not IT. Okay, okay, I see now. Um, so I really hadn't taken that time, A, to really know what I wanted to do, um, and or B, really invest the time in myself to figure that out. And so that very first experience at IBMF, because I've been to several programs now with them, um, that very first one was the kind of ignite, it ignited my thought process to say, okay, I can do something completely different. Now what is that going to be? Right? And so I continued working in IT. Um, I did at one point have a brief sabbatical. Um, I was on this company and I, I decided that it was too much. And so I told them something had to change and so they let me go, I guess. <laughs> oh, okay. Not what I was thinking. But it was a blessing, right? I was doing this government contracting. I was traveling all over the world. I was working insane hours. I was miserable. And so when I got back from one of my trips, I just closed a huge deal with the Department of Energy and um, got this beautiful bonus and told my boss, listen, I, I, need a, I need something to change. I can't keep traveling like this. I'm exhausted. Uh, I have family and young kids at the time. And so the following Friday, they let me go. <laughs> so the nice part of that was I did have that beautiful bonus. They did give me a little bit of a severance package. So I was able to take a few months off and really start to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. But eventually kind of found my way to food and found my way to cooking from scratch, using local ingredients, and really just kind of fell in love with this idea of being able to, to nourish my family and um, work with local farmers. I started a food blog and got to know local farmers in the area, but it wasn't until another six years later that I took the leap <laughs> and jumped in and opened a restaurant. Whoa. And, um why not, right? Yeah, I mean, go from uh, <laughs> safety and security and something you know to one of the most volatile industries in the world, followed by a global uh, pandemic that pretty much crushes uh -huh. the industry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a good plan. <laughs> 
Now when we come back, we'll hear how this Air Force veteran made the leap from IT to the restaurant industry and how she's now helping feed the community when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now, in response to the coronavirus pandemic, Air Force veteran Monica Alvarado founded Feed Anne Arundel, an organization that pays restaurants across this Maryland county to make nutritious meals for people who need help feeding their families. But restaurant owner and activist is really her third career. After the Air Force, she had a successful but demanding career in IT. So in her interview, I asked, how was she able to make the successful transition from the computer world to the volatile restaurant industry? Yeah, I definitely uh, took a leap there. I didn't jump right into the restaurant. I actually started at a farmer's market making milk to go and then eventually shifted, um, had the opportunity to buy, a rest- buy the restaurant that I have now. So, oh, oh, that's great. That's um, great. Okay, well, let me just yeah. pause real quick and say that you've kind of summarized where I think, again, a lot of us are. Uh, you take your technical abilities or your skills or something you think you're good at in the military, you apply it to your professional life, and that can last a few years or that can last decades. But at some point in time, right. in all of us, there is this calling to do something more. Maybe your life changes, as you'd said, with the kids and the family, and you got to do something more and again, that's where the training from the Institute for Veterans and Military Families comes in, and, and, and you've taken enough of these things to kind of see that there is something more you wanted for your life. That was the restaurant industry. Um, tell me a little bit more about your restaurant, and then take me up to where now we are in this pandemic era that almost crushed restaurants. Oh, absolutely. So I my restaurant is just this tiny little place. It's um, right on the water here in Annapolis. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you you can see the Naval Academy from my windows and right on the water here. So um, when I opened, I, I actually took over. There was a spot here before and um, came in, and it was breakfast and lunch and decided, hey, that seems like a good schedule, right? <laughs> 7.30 to 3 um, is when we're open, and that, that just seems so perfect for my family and for what I need in life. So I maintained the hours and then eventually introduced my own food and here we are almost four years later, um, and Bread and Butter Kitchen is um, thriving despite the pandemic. Uh, we're, you know, we're nestled in a little neighborhood with some offices around us, so we always have a natural uh, flow of local customers. And then on the flip side, during the summer, of course, because we're right on the water and we're next to three or four different yacht clubs, we do have like a heavy influx of sailors and tourists. Um, coming into town, who come and find us yeah, by yeah. dumb luck, <laughs> word of mouth, typically. Um, and so, yeah, so we, you know, we've been here about almost four years, and um, I have an amazing team. They've been with me since the beginning. So when the pandemic hit last year, uh, about a year ago exactly, this week, in fact, um, we weren't really quite sure what to do or what to expect. There were definitely moments where I cried. And thought, well, that was fun. I owned a restaurant. We'll take that one. Check right on the list. Good job. (laughs) I was kind of at at this point, my husband and I, when we opened the restaurant, you know, he has nothing to do with it because, no, uh, he has no interest. But we agreed as a family, right, worst case scenario, I lose the restaurant, right? That We knew that going in. That was the absolute worst possible thing. And we were okay with that outcome, right? We had already agreed to that. So when this happened, I was somewhat mentally okay with it. 
wasn't quite sure if we were going to make it or not. I was more concerned about my employees, their families, um, than anything, really. And so a year ago today, one of my customers called me and said, Monica, um, you don't know what I do for a living. He's actually a lead organizer for a local organization called ACT, which is Anne Arundel Connecting Together. And they're a cohort of about 28 different nonprofits, faith-based organizations, and they essentially lean into the community to help work on big issues like universal health care, affordable housing, food insecurity. And so when he reached out to me, he said, you know, what can we do? What can the restaurants do to help address some of the food insecurity issues? At this point, people were losing jobs already. There was a lot of craziness going on at the grocery stores as people started hoarding <laughs> food and yeah, yeah. paper products, right? And so um, we kind of put our heads together. We talked about um, Jose Andres and what he had done in Puerto Rico and, and thought, okay, we can do something like that, but we have to make sure we're paying the restaurants. And that's where Feed Anne Arundel was born. But the idea that we would raise money, we would use that money to pay the restaurants, um, to make food that we would then distribute to local food distributions throughout the county. And hmm. so that was on a Tuesday we had that conversation. And on Saturday we had our very first distribution of 400 meals from four different restaurants. Um, and it was amazing. It was that day that one of the restaurants came and said, listen, this is a, this is a huge help. We were able to bring back five people we just laid off. So we knew we were onto something right out of the gate. It's been amazing. That is just awesome. So, so I can kind of see how the framework operates. Then there's monies that come into this group of faith-based organizations and other kind of nonprofits, and they help channel that towards restaurants to then pay for the meals. And then the meals are made and then distributed to families via some sort of, um, central, central place, like in, in downtown Annapolis. So we, um, ACT connected us to Partnership for Children, Youth, and Families, and that's a local organization that works within the health department here and social services. And so they were already connected to the various food distributions in the county. Right? Food insecurity is definitely not a new issue. <laughs> it's um, something that has continued to, uh, it just really was exacerbated by the pandemic as more people found themselves wondering whether to pay the rent or buy food. You know, we, we just kind of leaned into a, a system that was already in place and started to work with these different churches and nonprofit centers and community centers and just supplement the food distributions they were already doing with meals from local restaurants. And so it wasn't like they were just coming to get a meal. They would actually get the box of produce, box of dairy, some protein, maybe some diapers. At the time, we started with about eight restaurants. Now we have 75 We've given out over 160,000 meals, and that represents over $1.5 million that we've raised that's gone right back into the hands of restaurants here in the county. So we've actually also then, you know, spurred the local economy, right? If I pay a restaurant to make 100 meals for me, that means they're open. That means they're ordering food. They're working with the farmers, working with the watermen. There's delivery workers and warehouse workers. Well, this whole supply chain is activated when Steve Anne Arundel gets involved. So it's been a really big help for our local economy as well. Mm, very cool. And yeah, the second and third order effects are what it's about. You're totally right. I mean, people, yeah. you probably know of actual real people that have retained their jobs, you know, dishwashers, sous chefs. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. My whole staff, right? And 
it was just um, in March, the last trip I took last year was to the Veterans Edge Conference. Um, which was in Dallas. Now I came back on March 7th and then here we are, you know, less than a week or so later and I'm launching Feed in Arundel. So mm. <laughs> it's all kind of tied together for me and understanding that, you know, they, there are things that you learn when you're in the military and things that IVMF continue to kind of reiterate um, to you about collaboration using your resources, you know, working with a diverse um, group of people, being able to collaborate and really focus on a mission and get it done. All of that has really made Feed Internal successful in my mind. Having those skills, having that background really lent itself to, you know, being able to lead this organization to where it is now and hopefully watch it evolve as we kind of move forward. Right on. And I will add to that, that you're right. A lot of our military experience and leadership or following order uh, helps, but it also helps when you are doing the right thing. And I think doing yeah. God, you know, doing God's work down there. I mean, making sure that yeah. people have what they need, whether it's the restaurant staffs or whether it's the people that are receiving the food from the food banks and a great hot meal made by a great restaurant. Um, that is really where the rubber meets the road. And I think that that's where it ignited and, you know, by design. I mean, as it should, it is just, it is just Godspeed you're doing there. That is absolutely awesome. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. And uh, where can I get more information about Feed Anne Arundel? Sure. Visit our website at feedannarundel.org or visit us on our Facebook, Feed Anne Arundel, and you'll see the latest information, where the food distributions are, how to donate, how to volunteer. Um, yeah, we're still going, still growing. So, we appreciate you featuring us today and talking to us a little bit about it. Outstanding. And thanks again to the Institute for Veterans and Military Families for the training and the support programs they give our veterans that make success stories like this possible each and every day. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. 
Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books.